0: Hello listeners, if you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruption and are financially able, please consider supporting our effort. To contribute, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, and click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks.
1: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not
2: because they are easy, but because they are hard.
3: In speed, John Glenn.
1: Roger, Zero-G, and I feel fine. You my be right.
3: Okay, I'm out.
1: How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder?
3: At last, huh?
4: When that baby
3: light,
1: there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11.
3: Houston uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you are listening to episode number 376 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 17 Moonwalk 1. Last time I presented a detailed, highly interrupted version of the last manned lunar landing. As promised, this time I will play an uninterrupted version of the landing beginning at PDI and ending at the landing. We're
3: approaching 30 seconds, blank, 50. 50, blanks, average G, but two lights. Okay, engine arm is decent. I think the tape meter drove. I'm not sure. Confirm the LH. Standing by for LH. Ten seconds. Feel LH. We've got LH. Proceed on the 99. It took two, one, zero. Ignition. Ignition, Houston. Attitude looks good. Engine override is on, master arm is off. We got a decent quantity light on at ignition. Just prior G- to ignition. GT, sheet tank's good. RCS is good at 15 seconds. Roger. RCS is golden. Should be stable throttle up. Stand by. There's Throttle a lot time, Houston. And the computer likes it. Roger. Still got the quantity light on. Okay, attitude looks good, Jack. Okay, at 30 seconds. Should have uh, about 108. Oh, boy. Ags and pains are close. Okay, coming up on one minute. One minute, you ought to have uh, 98. Okay, H dot is high right now. Mark it one minute. Altitude. Challenger nine. Houston, I have a one sixty nine Houston plus zero three four zero zero plus thirty four hundred feet. Over. You're looking at it. Okay, thirty four hundred, I confirm. Challenger, you go for enter. Roger, go for under 130, we're go, coming through 57K. Okay, the altitude's high and the H-dot is high. That's right. Okay, at one, uh, two minutes, you ought to have 89 on the ball. Uh, we're still 30 feet per second high in H-dot, but we're uh, about 8,000 feet high. Challenger, Houston, okay, we'd like you to cycle on the minutes. PQGS switch off and then back on. It's off, and it's back on. Plenty light is out. Roger, that should be good now. And Houston, we... Okay, we have uh, engine thrust at commanded thrust, full scale high. Roger. Man, that looks good. Okay, babe, let's uh, check him at 230. RCS looks good. 2.30 a.m., about 89 degrees. Coming Cabin looks great. 51.5. 89 is great. We're catching up on our altitude. We should start dropping H-dot here a little bit. Ags and things are together. Ax has us uh, a little bit out of plane, and we're north. Has us north of track. Challenger, Houston, three you're going we go We're out of 49K. Roger. Understand we're go. Okay, at three minutes, 82 is your ball number. We're still uh, looking for uh, the right altitude, so our H dot is high. Okay. The day of reckoning comes at four minutes, Jack. Rest of weight building up, looking good. Attitudes are good. Okay, at 330, you ought to have 79. Hey, okay, it's right on. Uh, we're still a little high, about 2,500 feet. H dot is still high. Okay, the tape meter moves in spurts and jerks, both on altitude and altitude rate. Yeah.
0: Challenger, Wait, Houston, you're
3: going four it, minutes. Roger, E.D. Bats. E.D. Bats are three. Okay. Okay, Gordo, you're all coming to 340. Roger. And the radar lights are out. Beautiful. Okay, sounds great. Both systems They're are go right today. on the line. Okay, you're looking at LH. And you're go for a Verb 57. Okay, Verb 57 is in. Hey, Houston, is the AGS out of plane correct? Stand by. Okay, coming up on five minutes, Jack. Let's take a check at it. How about uh, 74 degrees? That's good. Seventy feet per second, we're coming down. Thirty-six, you're still uh Challenger, you're going five high. minutes. Okay, the ain't out of plane 30. looks okay to us. Okay, go at five, we're out of uh thirty-six five now. We got the earth right out the front window. Challenger Houston, battery three on at your convenience. Oh. 83 is on.
1: 53 miles to landing.
3: 30, Gordo, we're go. We're out of 34K. 73, 34. We're right on altitude. The H-dot ought to start dropping off. Except that we want to keep it high. You're allowed two quick looks out the window, one now and one when we pitch over. I can't see a thing except the Earth. That's what I'm telling you to look at. <laughs> oh, there's the old Earth. Okay, he's been coming up on six minutes. Six minutes, you ought to have 72 on your ball. Challenger, you're going six. Goal.
1: Forty miles to landing.
3: shoot's great. H-dot's great. Ags and things are very close. couple feet per second difference. Okay.
1: 31,000 feet
3: out. We went over the hump. Uh, Del H just jumped. Roger. And it looks like it's back down. Roger. Sounds good. Six thirty, Gino. It looks good, babe. Seventy-two. Altitude is right on. H dot is very close. Okay, thirty K. Yaw to zero. Battle down. Time seven plus two six. Seven plus two six. That's okay, right. we got everything. We're yaw zero. Okay, at 7 minutes, 67 is your angle, 26, 27, that's great. That one's here, go at 7. starts slightly high, but okay. Okay, Gordo, we're going at 7, we're now at 25,000 feet. Okay, we're quite a bit out of the command module plane, but I guess we're on target. Okay, watch the throttle now, oh, here it comes. computer likes it beautiful okay 730 okay 145 to pitch over Jack okay 63 is your angle about 56 now okay that's getting closer H dot and H are great standing by for the camera 19K, Houston, we're going coming up on 8. Okay, the old camera's on, Gordy, believe it or not. How about that, Jerry? At 8? Monitor fuel, 2.
1: Ten miles to go.
3: Fuel, 2. 27, that's good.
1: Come on, baby. 18,000 feet.
3: 30, Gino. Okay, I got the South Massif. Okay, update the Ag, Houston. Yes. That's affirmative. Update the ags. Okay, hey, Gordo, I got Nansen, I've got uh Lara and I've got the scarp.
1: Five miles to landing.
3: We're level with the top of the Messis now. Roger. Okay, one five one one five one zero entered. Okay, uh, Jack. Pitch that over here. nine. Uh, two four. Okay. two four on Pitch over. Okay, Gordon. We're out of eleven thousand at nine. Okay. Stand by for pitch over. Oh, are we coming in? Oh, baby. Okay. Through nine thousand. Stand by for pitch over, Jack. Eight thousand. I'll need the pro. I'll give it to you. Pitch over. There it is. Proceeded. And there it is, Houston, there's Camelot, wide off oh, no. target. I see it. We got them all. 42 degrees, 37 degrees, through 5,500. 38 degrees. Bellinger, you for landing. 40, 42 degrees through 4,000, 47 now. 47 degrees through 3,500. 49 degrees. 3,000 feet. Fifty-three degrees. Okay, I've got Barhea I've got Poppy, I've got the triangle. That twenty five hundred feet, fifty-two degrees. H dot is good. It's two thousand. H dot is good. Fuel is good. Fifteen hundred feet. Fifty-four degrees, Gene. Approaching a thousand. Approaching a thousand feet. Fifty-seven degrees. Okay, you're through 1,000. I'm taking radar altitude and things altitude degree. You're through 800 feet. H-dot's a little high. Yeah, I don't need the numbers anymore. Okay, you're 31 feet per second, going down through 500. 25 feet per second through 400. That's a little high, Gino. Okay. 300 feet, 15 feet per second. Little high. H-dot's a little high. Okay, I've got P66. Okay. Okay, nine feet per second down at 200. Going down at five. Going down at five. Going down at 10, cut the H-dot. Your feels good. 110 feet, stand by for some dust. Little forward, G. Little Little forward a little. 90 feet. Little forward velocity. 80 feet, going down at 3. Getting a little dust. You're at 60 feet, going down about 2. Very little dust. Very little dust. 40 feet, going down at 3. Stand by for touchdown. Stand by. 25 feet, down at 2. Feels good. 20 feet. Going down at two. Ten feet. Ten feet. Contact. Stop. Push. Engine stop. Engine arm. Proceed. Command override off. Boat control. at hold. Pings auto. Okay, Houston. The Challenger has landed. Roger, Challenger. That's super. Okay, Parker Valves. Boy, you bet it is, Gordo. Boy, you said shut down, I shut down, and we dropped, didn't we? Yes, sir. But well, we is here, and is we here? How's that look? Pressure, pressures look great. Bank twos down just a little bit before. Engine override is Manifold awesome. is great. Manifold right on. Get go to jets. Okay, I am jets. Okay, that side's complete. Houston, you can tell America that Challenger is a tourist literal. We'll do it. Great. Brian, I had the meatball all the way. Beautiful. And oh. Jack, are we going to have some nice boulders in this area? Okay, the old camera's off. Okay. Landing radar breaker open. Checking the water. And Gordy, Ascent Tank 1, uh, we started out a little low, it's still the same place. That's water. Roger, Jack. Batteries look good. Oh, man, look at that rock out there. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I think I can see the rim of Camelot. The epic moment of my
0: life. It took about four hours for Gene and Jack to run their tests to verify everything was okay with the limb and to suit up for their first moonwalk.
1: At this moment, Cernan and Schmidt are preparing to step out of the Challenger spacecraft for their first walk on the lunar surface. For the latest on what they're doing, Morton Dean reports from the Mann Spacecraft Center in Houston. Walter, the astronauts are not very much different than the rest of us, I suppose. They are running late as they prepare for this evening's outing, their outing on the moon. Last reported, between 20 and 25 minutes late, no serious problems, though. Cernan now expected to put his footprints in the lunar dust at about 7 p.m. Eastern time. Schmidt and Cernan once they leave their motel on the moon, the spacecraft, Challenger, the Lem will spend about seven hours out on the surface this evening, five of those hours deploying various scientific instruments and experiments. There are several new experiments on this mission. Two hours this evening will be devoted to geology, and they will take a ride in the lunar rover. Cernan, on this 11th uh, of December, becomes the 11th man to walk on the moon. Schmidt will follow him. They will come out of the uh, hatch here onto the front porch, and down the familiar nine steps onto the surface of the moon. It will spend a total of some 75 hours on the moon, which will be a record for man's exploration there. This is Morton Dean, CBS News at the Mann Spacecraft Center, Houston.
0: As moonwalks go, the first one was planned to be pretty basic.
1: A long first night on the moon is ahead of Cernan and Schmidt as they perform their first seven-hour EVA. After leaving the LEM and deploying the lunar rover, they'll first place the Apollo scientific experiments around their LEM, the Challenger. Then boarding the rover, they'll head east on the first traverse, a relatively short hop some two and a half miles down to the edge of Emery Crater right here. They have 21 hours of EVAs and three long, hard days on the moon ahead of them. The volcanic highland they've landed on should give geologist Schmidt's skilled mind and eyes surefire clues as to how the moon got the way it is which is what he and Cernan are out to learn on this, America's last trip to the moon, for a long time. This is Jules Bergman at ABC Space Headquarters.
0: Finally, Gene Cernan wiggled backward through the tiny hatch, got to his knees on the small porch, and cautiously descended Challenger's ladder, a rung at a time, until he stood on the saucer-like footpad. The sun glared bright all around as he had his first good look at the vast emptiness while the canopy of the sky remained thickly black from horizon to horizon. He had no fear, no apprehension, but he did have a tremendous sense of satisfaction and accomplishment. His size ten and a half boot was poised just inches above the surface of this almost mystical land that mankind had watched so closely for uncounted eons and to which we had assigned properties ranging from religious icon and symbol of romance to makers of werewolves and clock for the harvest. Every night of his life, the moon had been up there patiently waiting for his visit. Gene lowered his left foot and the thin crust gave way. Soft contact. There. It was done. A Cernan bootprint was on the moon. He had fulfilled his dream. No one could ever take this moment away. His first words were, quote, as I step off at the surface of Taurus Latrobe, I'd like to dedicate the first steps of Apollo 17 to all those who made it possible. Here's Gene coming down the ladder. Okay, and it's baggage,
4: bag is free, ringing free, you mean the ETB, ETB. Oh man, this looks like a Santa Claus bag. It is. Oh boy. There it goes. The rover looks in good shape. The is down there. Okay, I got all my visors down. Jack, I wouldn't lower your gold visor until after you get on the porch, because it's funny you uh, dark out here. Okay. 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 Tape recorder. I'm on my way. It's off. Sensitivity. Max. Okay, Houston. Commander is about three quarters of the way down. I'm on the uh, foot pad. And Houston, as I step off at the surface at Taurus Littrow, we'd like to dedicate the first step of Apollo 17 to all those who made it possible. I'm out here? Oh my God! Unbelievable!
0: Unbelievable, but is it bright and done? Gene could barely believe he was standing in a place no one had ever stood before. The soil that was firmly supporting him was not the dirt of Earth, but of a different celestial body and it glittered in the bright sun as if studded with millions of tiny diamonds. The sun, low in the lunar morning sky, cast a long shadow beyond the parked Challenger. Gene slowly pivoted, trying to see everything, and was overwhelmed by the silent majestic solitude. Not so much as a squirrel track to indicate any sort of life, not a green blade of grass to color the bland, stark beauty, not a cloud overhead or the slightest hint of a brook or stream. Nevertheless, he felt comfortable, as if he belonged there. From where he stood on the floor of this beautiful mountain-ringed valley, that seemed frozen in time. The looming massives on either side were not menacing at all, It was as if they, too, had been awaiting the day someone would come and take a walk in their valley. He wasn't worried about what might happen next, whether some unknown danger lurked, nor did he give much thought about how they would get out of this place when the time came. They had gotten there, and they would get home. For the next three days, Jean planned to live his life to the fullest, to milk every moment of this rare and wonderful experience. As he stood in sunshine on this barren world somewhere in the universe, looking up at the cobalt earth immersed in infinite blackness, he knew science had met its match. Jean gazed around to get his bearings. Deep ruts had been cut by giant boulders that had toppled down from the mountains. The sculptured hills over which they had made their landing approach looked like the wrinkled skin of a hundred-year-old man. A stony landside had flowed into the valley and everywhere he looked were craters of all sizes, a most familiar one only an arm's length away. I think I might be in front of Punk, Gene reported, amazed at flying a quarter of a million miles, then landing beside the lunar crater named for his daughter. Okay.
4: We landed in a very shallow depression. Uh, that's why we've got a slight pitch-up angle. Very shallow, uh. Uh, dinner plate like this, uh, crater, just about the, uh, the width of, uh, of the strut. How you doing, Jack? Fine. Getting the sugar breakers verified. The mud looks Beautiful. Oh, do we have boulder tracks coming down? We see exactly where we are. I think
0: I may be just in front of Punk. Gene next skipped around to get acclimated to the low gravity of this strange new world. To Gene, learning how to walk was like balancing on a bowl of jello until he figured out how to shift his weight while doing sort of a bunny hop. During Gene's time of personal enchantment, Jack had made his way out onto the porch of the limb. He looked down and grumbled, Hey, who's been tracking up my lunar surface? Jack topped off the ladder and stepped from the footpad into a geologist paradise. Like Gene, Jack was immediately unsteady. Remember, they had gone from Earth's gravity... To zero gravity during their three days in transit and now they were in one-sixth gravity something only ten other humans had experienced every step churned up dust as they bobbled around like rubber ducks in a bathtub already huffing and puffing as their suits lost their pristine whiteness to the sticky fine grain moon dust while Jean appreciated the beauty of the scenery...
4: God, it's beautiful. Nope. hang on. Yep.
0: Jack was laser-focused on the science.
4: Looks like a particular, very uh, light-colored, uh, of some kind. About uh, 10 or 15% vesicles on right in front of the lamp. uh, Quite a few of the rocks look of that type. Sort of a pinky hue to them. The texture is coarse, but
0: I'm not sure how crystalline they are yet. Which meant the sparkles on the ground were tiny specks of glass reflecting sunlight. It was kind of like the odd couple, Felix and Oscar, going to the moon. Finally getting down to some serious business, it was time to unload the rover. Recall from previous missions it was carried outside of the lunar module like a piano tied to a truck with lanyards, cables and hinges. The astronauts lowered it and a puzzle of folded wheels, armrests, seats, consoles, footrests, fenders battery covers, and so many other parts that it was almost like putting together a bicycle at Christmas. Jack made the highly technical observation that... I tell you, it sure is easy to get
4: dusty, but that's nothing new to anybody. Okay, babe, let me get... I think it's safe to say that
0: surface was not formed yesterday. There is a regular. it looks classic... At last, a scientist could confirm this information. Now here's what it sounded like when they lowered the rover. And I tell you, I don't know how long
4: this line to pull a rover out is but well, I tell you it sure is easy to get dusty, but that's nothing new to anybody. Okay, babe, let me get Whee! Area distribution of particles up, uh, up to uh, three or four centimeters. Anyway, then you start to get maybe a selective distribution of large fragments. You got that cable? Yep. Hey, I'm going to walk away with this one. Okay, I'll read your cable. You ready? Okay. With four wheels on surface. Okay. Let me uh, let me pull. used continuing to come. Here's a couple different looking rocks. One's very white. One's quite dark. But we do have a general rock type, I think, in the area of the big boulders. Jesus, how much cable is there? There's a lot of it, Jack. Keep going. Gonna <laughs> be a long way away. <laughs> We're not there yet. Keep going. we got the front wheels on it surface, But keep going, I don't think you got it up there. I never thought I'd do geology this way. Okay, I think you got it, let me see. Is it slack? Get up there and take a look.
0: it's black. Longest cable in the world. It's black. The fine dust clung stubbornly to the astronauts' suits, visors, gloves, and tools, as if by magnetic attraction. At least don't air out of the
4: tires. Man, I look like I've been on a surface for a week already. Holy moly.
0: Then doctor Rock reached for a rock lost his balance, and toppled into a pratfall. When he stood upright, he wore another layer of dust and had dropped the only remaining pair of scissors in the melee. Remember, one pair was left behind with Ron, who had still not found his, and now the moonwalker's scissors had vanished into the lunar soil. If they were unable to cut open the plastic food packets life might get rough. NASA had planned for every other emergency, but no one had ever thought of starving to death on the moon. Gene finished assembling the rover and bounced up and sideways into the driver's seat just like a teenager might hop into an open Jeep. He turned on the batteries, tried the steering, checked the forward and reverse controls, and then goosed it. This was the moment of truth, because if it didn't work, they would be walking, and their opportunity to explore the valley would be substantially curtailed. Fortunately, the electric motors on each wheel hummed. Gene fed it more power and scooted away for a test drive around the limb.
4: Hello, Houston. Challenger's baby is on the roll. Roger, copy that. Sounds great.
0: Next, the astronauts attached a TV camera on the rover, and back in Houston, Ed Findale, who was known as Captain Video, took over by remote control and became Apollo's first long-distance cameraman. All the world could now share what had been the astronaut's private valley. Meanwhile, Smith fell again while trying to grab another moonstone. I haven't quite learned how to pick up
4: rocks with my hands yet, Bob. I would have had you a sample. That's why I fell down. My day will come. Oh, it's an old blue traverse
0: perimeter. Of course this was very embarrassing for a geologist. The thick, clumsy gloves added to the problem, and Jack's fingers ached with the strain of holding on to things he could barely feel. Houston now advised that they were already seven minutes behind schedule, so the astronauts hurriedly loaded their lunar farming gear onto the rover to get on with the day but the earth kept drawing jeans gaze away from the bleak surface and reality felt like an hallucination he had already seen it many times but was still mesmerized by the most spectacular sight of the entire journey Memories from Apollo 10 flooded back as he reflected on the rare privilege of standing on the moon and looking back at the only known place in the universe that contained life. So perfect. Gene made one more attempt to get Dr. Rock to realize he was on another world. Oh man, hey Jack, just stop and you
4: know yourself 30 seconds to look up over the to see and look at the earth. What? The Earth. Just look up there. Seen uh, one Earth, you've seen them all. Now well, you have not Dave. When you begin to believe that. Ah. Oh. Come on, kid. I'll go with your. Power I'll look or... in a minute, Gene. But I don't really. Once I start this little operation, if I don't finish it, it never gets done.
0: Okay, get in there. It was typical of Jack's droll humor, but Gene was almost disgusted with the blase reaction because he felt any human being should have been awestruck by the sight. Jack went back to his soil observations, but did eventually launch into a verse of Oh bury me not on the lone prairie.
4: OK, get the scissors and I'll be putting the flag in. And don't go near the rover. Don't go near the water. That reminds me of a good book.
0: Jack might not have wanted to acknowledge our planet in public, but still sang out loud and clear to everyone who would listen. Then they found the scissors. They were saved. A final job before leaving their home base was to erect an American flag, and Jean hammered in a thin metal staff and adjusted the small arm that would hold the red, white, and blue banner out straight. This flag had been carried to the moon and back by Apollo 11, and had been displayed in mission control ever since. Now it stands forever in the valley of Taurus Latrobe, a fitting tribute to the people who got Apollo 17 there. Jean told the guys back home who watched the flag unfurl that this was one of the proudest moments of its life. Jack and Jean next moved on to position the most sophisticated array of scientific instrumentation ever assembled for a lunar mission. Its heart was the Apollo Lunar Surface Exploration Package, known as ALSEP, which was powered by a small nuclear reactor. It was a complex system that would take a long time to deploy, and they hurried so it wouldn't cut into their available time to explore. But, while unloading gear from the rover, Jean's rock hammer with its handle sticking out of his suit pocket, snagged something. It was the fender on the rover. And it snapped off. Here's how Gene explained it.
2: Little, innovator. the problem uh, with the lunar rover fender on the surface of the moon was not a problem with the fender. It was a problem with the commander, with me. Because I had, uh, the lunar rover basically had to be unfolded and assembled on the surface of the moon. And we had telescoping plastic fenders. Everything was light, weight was important. So everything was as light as it possibly could. The, the wheels were just woven piano wire is what it was. And, and we, we needed the fenders to keep the dust the rooster tailing dust from going over the top of everything on your visor, on the equipment, on everything. It was very, dust is another problem, very detrimental. And I was, had a habit of putting my rock hammer in a pocket down here, and I was working around a lunar, Fo- lunar rover, and I caught the hammer under a piece of that fender and popped it off. So it wasn't a fender, it was the commander.
0: Here they were, in the midst of a high-tech experiment on the moon and jean calls a fender bender a section of thin plastic fender cracking off seemed insignificant at the time so jean used the only thing available a strip of old fashioned duct tape to hold it in place jean and jack both worked fast now but the going was tougher than expected and they chewed into the four hours that had been allotted for the deployment of the rover and the Alcep. The problem was, if they exceeded that four hours, then the ninety minutes set aside for a journey south to the crater Emery, which just happened to be their first true geologic stop, would be in jeopardy. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I want to say thanks for listening to episode number 376 of the Space Rocket History Podcast, entitled Apollo 17, Moonwalk 1. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. First, a very important announcement. My new email address is spacerockethistory at gmail.com please don't use the old one because it will not work our next episode will be posted in a couple of weeks hopefully by november 25th if you're looking for old episodes of the podcast the first 200 are available on the archive podcast search for space rocket history archive it should be available on most podcatchers today we celebrate our alien head emoji donors these donors have supported the podcast for seven consecutive years and receive an alien head emoji next to their name on the donor's page. And, by the way, it is now the best time of year to perform the Emoji Maneuver. If you make a donation before the end of the year and make a donation in January, you can quickly advance to emojis and If you don't have any emojis now you can quickly advance to the rocket emoji so at this unique time of year it is a quick way to get your first emoji or advance your emojis have a few afterthoughts hope you enjoyed the uninterrupted replay of the landing I know many of you specifically request it and I think it gives you a true measure of how little time it takes to land on the moon. Most of the information I used in this episode and in all these series of episodes has been from Gene's book because the other two chose not to write a biography or anything about theirs. So it's mostly out of Gene's book. And I really appreciate some of the things he wrote. In this episode, I enjoyed the part where he said for the next three days, he was planning to live his life to the fullest, to milk every moment of this rare and wonderful existence. Now, I know he was on the moon, and this was the most exciting time of his life. And by comparison, our daily lives are usually Not nearly that exciting, (laughs) but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could try to live every day to its fullest and milk every good moment of life? That would be the, I would like to do that. I'm unable to do that. (laughs) I always find something bad that happens, but I wish I could do that and really enjoy it. But it's hard to do. Another thing I found admirable was Gene attempting to get uh, Dr. Rock to stop and take a look at where he was and at least glance up at Earth. I don't see how you can go to the moon and not pause some just to reflect on where you were and what you were seeing. But Dr. Rock was nose to the grindstone, working hard, and... You have to admire his dedication to the mission. Well, what do you think the deal is with these scissors? Ron loses his pair. Then they drop the last pair on the moon. It was a good thing they could find them and salvage them and get the moon dust off of them. But seriously, wouldn't it be better to package your food so you don't even need scissors to get to it it would be you could uh, get rid of one piece of hardware you wouldn't have to carry to the moon with you and that would be a pair of scissors and you would also remove the threat of the astronauts not being able to get to the food and feed themselves so just my thoughts Now for those interested in the farm progress, we had our first cold night where temperatures went below freezing. It was a bit chilly in the camper. I wasn't quite ready for that. I did not have all the heat set right. But as this continues to happen, I am adapting to it and figuring out how exactly we need to get the heat set up so it doesn't freeze me to death back there. (laughs) <laughs> the situation is improving it's funny now that we have to run the heat at night if it's sunny the next day we have to run the air conditioner to cool it off in here <laughs> I mean it's right now I think the high today is going to be 75 and the low is in the 30s so the camper itself just does not hold temperature very well. There's a wide flux, fluctuation in there. Okay, but anyway, back to the progress. We got our roof shingled since we last spoke, so at least the, the wood is somewhat protected from the weather. I think I mentioned that we had some bad roof trusses And what they did was they just put splints on them. They didn't actually replace any or put new boards on them. They just put splints on them. They are about halfway through the rough end plumbing. So that's the plumbing you do before you get sheetrock up on the walls. So that they're about halfway through that. They've got one bathtub mounted actually in the house there's one bathtub and there's one shower and the shower is uh in our near our master bedroom and uh the other bathtub is uh kind of like a guest bathtub it's over on the other side of the house anyway that's in but our uh main shower we have is not in yet uh Unfortunately, the crack in the basement floor continues to grow. The contractor says that we should be getting windows and outside doors put in soon. So, hopefully by next episode I will be able to tell you that we have windows and doors put in. Then I'll probably take another picture and put it up. So, I will keep you updated next episode let's move on over the last fortnight we had several contributions and some increases on patreon i would like to thank oleg s from germany who donated at the voyager level dale w donated at the orion level peter m from northern ireland sent in another donation and moved to the gemini level with rocket emoji lynn s from pennsylvania donated at the mercury level John S. from Washington donated at the Vostok level. John S. also increased his pledge on Patreon to the Apollo level with Rocket Emoji. That's two separate John S's, not the same one. Just worked out that way. Jim B. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. And Lucas M. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. Our total Patreon donors have declined to 244. Our total donors for 2021 have reached 402, so we are over 400, finally. And our goal is to reach 500 by the end of 2021. So, if you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruption, please consider supporting us by going to the homepage space rockethistory.com and clicking on the orange Donate button on the Patreon link. Now, here's Mrs. SRH with this episode's Donor Giveaway. Thanks, Mike. Hello, friends. The winner of the SRH drawing will get the choice of a Space Rocket History Magnet or the SRH Archive Magnet or two stickers or two static clings or two holographic stickers or a genuine NASA meatball sticker. With the help of Google's random number generator, I selected... François Gaudin. François Gaudin, if you would email us, spacerockethistory at gmail.com, to tell us your address and your SRH prize preference, we'll get this out to you. My apologies if I mispronounced your name. Sincere thanks to all 402 of you who contributed thus far in 2021. My sources for this episode were NASA, ABC News, CBS News, the Last Man on the Moon by Gene Cernan, Failure is Not an Option by Gene Krantz. Apollo 17 in Real Time, Grant Stoltz interview with Gene Cernan, the Apollo 17 Flight Journal, the Apollo 17 Surface Journal, the Apollo 17 Timeline, the Internet Archive, Flickr, Ron Evans, Apollo 17 Landing from DPI to Touchdown, edited by David Woods, and Wikipedia. And that is all we have for this episode. I'll try to have episode 377 posted by November 25th. Stay healthy, everyone, and so long for now.